The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to another session of our Spotify Live Q&A. Three at live here on the Spotify app. Uh, Spotify Live app every Saturday morning, uh, 10.30 a.m.-ish. Uh, be sure to check Pride of Detroit if you want to join us live here. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the editor-in-chief of Pride of Detroit. You can fa- find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. And with me as my one and only co-host here, because Ryan is off being a, a great dad to a great baby, Eric Schlitt is here. See, uh, Editor-in-chief? What? No, I. what are you again? What <laughs> Managing titles? editor. Managing editor. There you go. At Eric Slid on Twitter. Eric, how are we doing today? Hey, buddy. Good morning. Morning. Um, you you can tell I'm already off my game with this just being a two-man show, but maybe, well, yeah, maybe just course. maybe this means we're going to rip through questions a little quicker this time. <laughs> I, I tell you, uh, I have been in Ryan's spot uh, before, and uh, he is uh, surely getting uh, rest, sleep, and periods right now. So uh, if we... Uh, if we get a chance to interact with Ryan, like you know, in the, over these last few days, it's been fun. But it's been like a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here, because right. he, he's got to be exhausted right now. For sure. Um, speaking of exhaustive exhaustion, uh, you guys are going to be exhaustive of our coverage wow. during the next three. <laughs> that was a terrible segue. That's a, that's um, a great segue. But we're uh, we're at the end of OTAs and OTAs yeah. minicamp is all over. So now we are about five, six weeks away from minicamp with not a lot in between, but that doesn't mean we're going to stop. We're going to create exhaustion still uh, (laughs) as we answer your questions here on the Spotify live app. Uh, Let's get right into it. Uh, We've got Daniel coming out of the gate. Daniel, how are we doing today? We're doing great. Uh, Hey guys, we had such a great, uh, a great uh, conversation last week about changing the culture. And uh, I was thinking all week about what would be a good follow-up. And I was thinking about that we talked a little bit, but that I I was interested in hearing a little bit more about changing the culture in the front office. And I'm also, uh, you know, I realized I'm interested in, you know, maybe getting a breakdown in how the uh, front office works, what the different roles are. Uh, You know, Eric's so great at giving me a giving us a breakdown about how things work on the field. Uh, I thought between the two of you, you might be able to to 
uh, give that <clears throat> also give me an understanding of that and how you see the culture of the front office changing. Um, I, I would just add a comment that I think that although we mentioned uh, uh, Sheila Hamp in the last broadcast, um, I'm also wondering and inter- wondering uh, if maybe we're not giving her enough credit. And I'm thinking especially about how when they decided to hire uh, Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell, two guys who'd never even met, as far as we're aware, and said that they were going to share power. Everybody was scratching their heads saying, well, how's that going to work? Because uh, usually an NFL team has kind of a military command structure, kind of a top down, you know, we know who's in charge. And she seems to have, you know, moved away from that and gone to this collaborative uh, process, um, you know, which I think is uh, really unusual in terms of the NFL. So, yeah, Let, let's start right there. Yeah, yeah. because I, I do think that was an interesting choice to be made and maybe one we kind of quickly glossed over. I think, um, you know, when it happened, people were like, wow, they're not letting the general manager in to to, to interview the head coach and, and hire the head coach. That's Dangerous. And, and there is, you know, a fair amount of risk as much as both of those people kind of preach collaborative process. You, you still don't know if it's going to work. You still don't know if those two are going to get together and, and, and be able to, you know, share kind of power, like you said. Um, but it certainly seems to have worked right Eric. Like, I don't know how many times Brad Holmes can say how thrilled he is to work with Dan Campbell and vice versa. I, I seem to remember because Holmes got hired about six days something like that before yeah. Campbell. And I seem to remember him being in on like one, of the second fine, one of the final yeah. ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, he wasn't there for the initial process. He wasn't there for the cut for the, the narrowing down, but I do think he was in the last one. Uh, I, I could be mistaken. That could just be me misremembering, but I, I thought, it, I thought that's how it went down. Um, regardless though. Yeah. That it's a very interesting um, perspective to have essentially both roles as separate entities, right? Um, you don't see that as often in the in the NFL, but there are situations where you do see, you know, the the hierarchy altered a little bit like that, right? Like for example, in Seattle, Pete Carroll was hired before their GM was, right? Right. Um, and Carroll was part of the hiring process for the GM. So like there are you know different ways to to go about it, and and, and I do like that they're keeping them that they kept them separated, but yet focus on the communicative aspect of, of the job. Right. Um, it's, it sure seems like the hiring committee that they had, because remember they didn't just have like Sheila and Rod Wood and Disner and Spielman. They had like, they brought in other uh, people as well. It's Barry it sure Sanders, like, right? right. Yeah. Barry was in on it. They had, um, they hired um, a couple of outside people as well. And, um, they seem to have a, a singular vision on, on what they were trying to, you know, come away with in during that hiring process. So, um, so it, I guess it shouldn't be too surprising that they got two guys that, that can work together. Right. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, I, I think it, it is unique in the fact that they are kind of, you know, separate entities. Um, now where they've gone, from there has been, you know, a really unique journey, right? Because like you've seen Brad Holmes uh, build his front office 
essentially around like the Rams model, right? And he's kept uh, people from the previous regime. He's added new people onto there. They've created new positions. They've really tried to modify that to fit what Holmes was looking for. Like they didn't stick to a uh, specific set of like parameters. So like, this is the way it's done. So this is how we're going to do it. Um, you know, I, I seem to remember them that they, that they talked to the saints owner as well. And they talked about how that front office was put together and they were, uh, they, they were influenced a little bit by them as well. Um, and then the coaching staff, you know, the, we've seen how they've adapted as well, but since this is about the front office, I think we should probably just like kind of, you know, look at, how their kind of hierarchy works, right? Yeah, and and it's probably worth mentioning that they made a couple changes to the front office this week, right? Um, exactly. Yeah, and you had noticed that they had essentially eliminated one section, right? And I yeah. maybe just rebranded it, right? Um, and so I think that's an important aspect uh, to keep in mind as well is that, like the coaching staff, the front office is very fluid in, in how it operates, and yeah, but- I think. I was just going to say, like, the, the thing I noticed is, like, team operations is now gone. It's not team operations, it's football operations. Right. More more singular, a better focus on, on right. what the job titles are. Yet, a lot of these guys will cross over what they do, right? Right. <laughs> so, um, all right, but if, if we just kind of look at the hierarchy, like, of course, Sheila is is the principal owner. And she is one of the chairs, right? And so she's at the top. And then below her in the kind of executive management aspect uh, is you have uh, Rod Wood, who's the president. And then you have Brad Holmes, who is the vice president, but also, but more notably as the general manager. Uh, Mike Disner was just promoted to COO. And that was – he's been promoted, what, each year, right? It feels, feels like, like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then beyond, and then so then under Disner, you have a series of people that that you know, fit in there as well. You have like you have uh, chief legal officers, you have uh, communication officers, um, brand diversity. You have all these different avenues that have you know that different people have roles and that focus on different parts of running the uh, organization beyond the football field. Then on the football field, then you've got a guy like Chris Spielman who who flexes between them, right? right. Who, who who helps out with, uh, you know, uh, how to promote the organization as a whole, but then also contributes into the uh, Brad Holmes side of things, which is, you know, that that general manager of the scouting department, right? Um, so then from there, if you and I think this is the part that most people are interested in, it's. What does what does the front office look like under Brad Holmes, right? So Ray Agnew, who came over uh, from the Rams with him, is the assistant general manager. Um, and then Rob Lohman. Uh, then you have a bunch of different directors that uh, focus on single parts of the front office. So there's a pro scouting director. There's a player personnel director. There's a college scouting director, right? And so each of these guys have very specific like aspects of team building that, that they focus on. And all three are guys that were here previously. Yeah. And, and uh, some of them have been here through multiple regimes as, as well. Um, then you have guys like John Dorsey, who was brought in kind of as like a sounding board uh, who does a variety of little different things. Um, then you have a whole bunch of scouts that fit under each of those 
you know, pro scouting, player personnel or college scouting. Um, I don't know if, I mean, I mean, some of these names people have heard before, like Rob Lohman is right. the pro scouting guy. He's been doing this like 30 something years. Uh, Lance Newmark is one of the most more famous guys because his face is up on there all the time. I feel like uh, he's the player personnel scout. And then Dave Sears is the director of college scouting who used to be one of just their scouts. And he's worked his way up to that. The, what Brad Holmes, where Brad Holmes made his hay, right? right? So those, and so then you add all these scouts, and then you, and, and then they've now created this new position for uh, Sosna, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the football <laughs> part of it, right? I mean, yeah. like this is, I mean, it's crazy because then you have like, um, you have like uh, Dykema who makes sure that they stay compliant with the NFL rules. Uh, then you have like, uh, Bastin, which is, who's the athletic trainer. And then he has a whole slew of athletic trainers under him, as well as doctors who are, you know, and some of whom are specialists and whatnot. And I think like in all this, like administration aspect, you know, part of the football, I think there's probably like 80 people <laughs> that, go, yeah. that are part of it. Right. 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 Because then you, I mean, then you got Mike Clark, who's the head of player performance and then uh, Jill uh, Costanza, who's the sports science director. Um, the strength they and added, staff, all that stuff. They added the mental health um, yep. Last year, uh, yeah. aspect. I'm blanking on her name. Um, I'm missing it. Uh, anyway. Um and then that's, you know, and then it just keeps going. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? But I think the, the, the part that Daniel's interested in, I think we kind of like looked at that. So they, they've got, so essentially Brad Holmes has a right hand in, uh, in his assistant GM. And then he has his different department heads, which are all, you know, going to be his, his, his primary person. And then he's got uh, for those, for those avenues. And then he's got sounding boards in Spielman sounding boards in, in, um, in Dorsey. And like, he really just, the, there's a high level of experience and, and, and people that have roles that go beyond these, like, you know, designated specific jobs. Yeah. Right. And, and I think the interesting thing about it and just the strategy that they've taken besides this whole like collaborative effort and, and, going in between jobs and things like that is that they've done a really nice job of not only finding new talent, not only promoting from within, but recognizing when there is a talented person around and keeping them around. You know, we saw them do that on the coaching staff, right? Like Taylor Decker is, is, you know, knocking on the door of of Brad Holmes saying like, y'all got to keep Hank Fraley around. And so, I mean, we we just mentioned it. Mike Disner is a guy who's been, I mean, a, a guy that's been tagged as, as as one of the younger, smarter guys in the league for a while. Lions recognize that, despite the fact that he was brought in during the the Patricia era, and or I should say Bob Quinn. I think it was actually the year before mm-hmm. Patricia's here. Um, either way, keep him around, like you said, Lance Newmark, and a lot of it, to be fair, like a lot of scouts hang with a team through various regimes. That's just kind of how it works because they know that they're kind of used to the process. But to see them keep the guys around that that been around and, and proven their worth to see them go and get a guy like, you know, basically everyone in this front office now is either, is either, I, I guess my overall point while I'm kind of bouncing around thoughts here is I'm glad that with Ray Agnew aside, it wasn't just Brad Holmes picking people that he's comfortable with working. 
yeah. doesn't have that previous relationship. He he recognizes talent what there is. He finds you know diamonds in the rough here and there. Um, it's not just picking from his kind of coaching tree. Yeah, and we and we uh, there's a lot of scouts that have carried over, and then there's a lot of scouts that have been replaced, right? Yeah. Um, like Scott Sika, he he mans like the SEC part of the country. Like he's been around for a while because he finds players that work, and you know then you see like like Hudspeth who just got promoted uh, last is part of this last group, right? Um, and then, the, and then he's adding guys that he's, you know, he has added guys that he's familiar, but like the reason a lot of these guys get kept around, I guess. And I get, cause I've been asked this question a lot. So I just want to like, kind of explain this a little bit further is that when a new GM comes in, they typically come in like in January, right? right. Well, the draft they've been preparing for the draft for you know almost a year at that point. And so for him to like start, eliminating guys to add new guys at, at the, you know, at the 11th hour here with them draft only a couple months away, it wouldn't be beneficial. So what right. he, what GMs do is they essentially have like a tryout, like an, a, a three month interview of this is what I'm looking for. Can you find me those guys based on your knowledge of what you've been doing for the past year? And, and if you do well, then you get to keep your job. And if you don't do well, then we're going to replace you with somebody else. And that's essentially what Brad Holmes did the exact same thing. And that's why some of these guys carried over as opposed to, um, you know, him just wiping the slate clean, like the, uh, the Raiders. You remember when the Raiders did that, they sent Mm -hmm. everybody home like the the week of the, before the draft, like, and they were just like, we're just cleaning house on everybody. Like that's lunacy. Yeah. Um, And to to be clear, that's not the norm. The norm is to change staff right after the draft. Yeah. Right, exactly. That's why we're seeing a lot of these moves now, um, you know, after, you know, you it's post-draft, post-OTAs and, right. and whatnot. And, and so now they're officially making these moves that they've been deciding on over the last month. All right. Hopefully that wasn't too inside baseball for all of y'all, but appreciate the question, Daniel, because that's not really a topic we, we talk about much. So, hey, um, so just one quick one, though. The one thing, the yeah. one I don't really understand, you've got college – and pro scouting, yeah, right, and that makes sense. But I don't understand like what the player personnel guy does. I think that's just kind of overseeing both, right? I mean, yeah. it, it's it's not clearly laid out anywhere, but I think yeah, that is just kind of the guy that that connects the two departments. I would imagine. Yeah, he oversees both. Um, so yeah, so essentially, you've got. Um, Rob Lohman, who's overseeing the pro side of things, scouting the free agents and running that department. Then you have Dave Sears, who's the college person overseeing that. And then Newmark is the guy who ties the two together, oversees both of them, makes decisions, is in the draft room, et cetera, et cetera. There you go. All right. Thanks, guys. No problem, Daniel. Thanks for uh, your continued patronage to these things. Love it. Uh, Let's move from Daniel to Dan. What's up, Dan? Sorry about that. Um, my, my son was talking to me. He, he still is. We just went to the Lightyear thing last night, and I forgot that Harry Harry dropped out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, okay, uh, I I wanted. I'm, I'm flustered, so let me just take a moment. I really I really enjoyed that um, second year article uh, that you dropped in Ryan's in Ryan's stead. And hello, Ryan, if you're out there, mate. Um, <laughs> But I, I guess I wanted to think about it in more of a second-year coaching side of things, you know what I mean? And 
Um, I was I re- really appreciated who shared that video with Jared Goff and Jason Cabinda on the Brenneman mm-hmm. uh, Brenneman podcast. And I haven't I haven't made it all the way through. I, I just saw the initial clip, and then I think it was Eric who shared it this morning, and I'm, I'm sort of watching it, and it was really interesting to see his history and, and stuff like that. And I guess I'm just thinking about like Dan having a second year and what he's going to do with it, and sort of. I, I keep thinking about that middle stretch, and, and it's really interesting that we're playing Philly uh, first this year, you know, to sort of because that really was. I, I think there are some close competitors, but that was sort of, you know, like probably the worst of the season. And Certainly. I don't know. I, I feel like. Do you feel like if Anthony Lynn had stayed in charge, that we we would have gone winless? I I sort of. I was thinking about this morning. I was kind of thinking it might have been possible because, you know, we when we. I, I can't remember exactly what we talked about with the start last year. Like, I think we, we, we were crazy. We talked somewhere in the range of six to nine wins and stuff like that. And now we're sort of in that same range, but it feels more likely. But I don't mean to be harsh, but I feel sort of, unless it's just like a, a Ravens level injury list like last year, five wins feels like a problem for me. But I don't want to point any fingers because I sort of, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? So second year coaches and and I remember we were talking last week that we, or maybe it was a couple of weeks ago that we thought that the, um, that the squad was set, you know, and then they pick up De- Devin Funches. And I know it's not a big needle mover, but one one thing we haven't really talked about, and I'm, I'm probably taking too many questions, but I know, it, you know, it's fine ones, whatever. And I never stop anyway. <laughs> <laughs> tight, tight ends. Uh, 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 Uwe misses. Tight ends. Do you know what I mean? Like that department is, is really interesting to me. So uh, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, let's, uh, let's start with like, yeah, the second year coaching. Like what do you expect to see that, much difference and I guess I mean obviously they're not going to change their approach in the practice field I imagine too much but what sort of changes I guess can you see on game day um besides you know I think the the schematic tweaks that that we've talked about a bunch well look I think it's the learning curve right I think Mm -hmm. a lot of those decisions that they're in in the heat of the moment that they make and then are wrong you're hoping that they learn from those and now they don't make those decisions, you know, next time or, or they're more prepared. Right. And, and, and that bump that you're expecting from players in year one to year two, you, you should expect that from coaches as well. You should expect Aaron Glenn to be more confident in his, in his play calling late in games. Right. Um, He was trying, he was, look, he made a couple of mistakes that ended up costing them. He was, he was the one of the ones there was he made the decision to, to call the defense against Baltimore and that while the defense was the correct while the, the the defensive play was the correct call he said that he didn't make sure that everyone was on the same page and right. because someone wasn't they made a mistake and then he learned from that right and yeah. so hopefully that doesn't carry over and then the Chicago game yes Dan Dan Campbell says he's the one who took the timeout but it was Aaron Glenn that was running down to call that timeout late in the Chicago yeah. game right and so like you hope that those mistakes don't don't crop up, and if they don't, then those are two pivotal differences. Right. Those were tight games that critical mistakes were made, and so yeah, you're hoping to see that from a guy like Aaron Glenn. And you know, at the same time, you can also expect some of those mistakes to come from Brad Johnson or Ben Johnson too, right? Yeah. Like you can expect him to still be so. Um, yeah, I, I, that that's kind of what it, what the first thing that comes to my mind anyway. There, well, there's two things that, that come to my mind, and, and they both involve Dan Campbell. Um, because one change I think he's already made, and he talked about it. Um, he wanted to tackle uh, pivotal moments, uh, critical downs yeah. earlier in this offseason. 
The lines were not particularly good on fourth down, not good on third down on either side of the ball. We all, you know, what happened in late in, in a lot of those games where, like you said, you just mentioned a bunch of issues that, that could have been the difference between wins and losses. And so we saw during OTAs and minicamp a real emphasis on these late game moments and, and a lot of different ones, you know, down two, down two scores with two minutes left. We saw them run that trail. We saw them try to drive 80 yards in 20 seconds, like the AFC championship game. They, they really tried to kind of diversify all these late game scenarios because that's how games are won and lost. And, and Dan Campbell said he thought he didn't tackle that early enough last season because they were swimming through everything, you know, drinking from the fire hose, that whole thing. Yeah. The other thing, and, and it's the reason why I know, Dan is going to be a kind of guy that does learn on the job and does adjust is because one of the first things he said last year, um, I think it was during his intro presser, or at least kind of right at the beginning is how this moment in Miami when he was the interim coach there still stuck in his craw, the way he coached it. It was an end of half situation. I think the, the dolphins were like third and goal and um, he misuses his timeouts. He decides to go for it instead of kick a field goal, um, and they don't score, and they, they end up getting blown out in the second half. That's something that still ate at him, still remembered. And so I think, I mean, there's got to be at least a handful of moments from last year that I imagine are still eating at him and, and something that he's going to treat as a learning process. So um, I'm confident we will see, you know, especially on game day, a, a lot of, you know, hopefully improvement, but definitely kind of maybe changes in, uh, in strategy. Yeah, yeah, I, I wanna, I, I, I totally agree with you guys. I, in many ways, I sort of start having some time to separate from the year and sort of looking at it at a whole and that, that in that middle period, you know, I mean, that must have been just so hard to go through being Dan and having to deal with it sort of just, you know, just, I don't know, you know, just holding it together and just keeping everyone, you know, to the mission, to the idea. And, um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, as I say, I, 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 it feels like we're rolling a little bit more on the injury dice than maybe I, I'm comfortable with. Do you know what I mean? But I feel that obviously it's, it's a it's a rough game, and so you just have to, you know, next man up and all of those other other cliches. But um, you know, it's yeah. I, I apologize for cutting you off, but um, did you have any last minute thoughts on the tight end room? And then I'll I'll, I'll, sh- I'll jump off. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, Eric and I were we're kind of building that 53 man roster behind the scenes and. I think we both like we paused for a second to think whether um, Punches is is really in the conversation, and I think both of us agree like not yet. There's there's certainly an opportunity there, but I guess there's also a question of how many they're going to keep because is I mean Mitchell is probably going to be ready for training camp. Fingers crossed, I, I would imagine. So we'll finally mm-hmm. get to see him. He's probably a lock for the roster, assuming he doesn't go on pup for the regular season. Sorry to cut you off there. Apologies. I, all, all, all three green lines are going. Um, but I feel like maybe maybe we go heavy on the pup. Is there a limit to how many people we can put on the pup? There's not. No. Um, because, yeah. I mean, in, for all of the reasons, and I really enjoyed Nyan's question last week on, on Logan. Crikey, I'm going on again, and you want to have a break. But, like, like hearing about Logan Stenberg and his MCL and all of these things he's gone through, there's a lot of overlap with Jeff Okuda, but he's a fourth-round pick who came from the other the other people. Do you know what I mean? And, right. I was really interested in the Deshaun Cornell, which was obviously your sorry, the lead from your story, but like he was he was picked by those guys for a completely different you know, he's he's more suited to this this defensive front, which was not the defensive front that Maddie P was on. Do you know what I mean? So there's mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy and like, you know, these tiny little decisions that can sort of scupper the lower pe- uh, lower lower down folk. I sorry, I don't know how to say it another way without stumbling even more, but do you know what I mean? <laughs> the uh, bottom of the roster. 
Thank you. Yeah, I know what you can. Um, the, the thing with the, the thing that I think Jeremy and I run into with the fifty three is the last couple. This like you can you can get the forty or forty five players. I think with not a lot of debate, but then those last like seven or eight guys become okay, where else are they going to contribute? How else are they going to contribute? Are they, and, and, it, and most notably, the answer is going to be special teams. And then if they can also play different roles beyond that, like can they can they help out, you know, in other areas? And then you can end up taking like a, you end up switching a guy from one position to another because you're like, hey, this guy can help out. So maybe you don't need as much depth at this one position. And so it gets a little bit tricky when trying to say like, oh, how many tight ends are they going to keep? Well, I think, what Jeremy w- was was getting at before was that Mitchell seems like a lock. Hawkinson seems like a lock. Brock Wright is probably the leader because he's he's a more a, a natural blocker who also showed some like range to step into a starting role if he needs to. And and those three guys kind of make a lot of sense. But then again, Zilstra was a guy who showed really well at camp because Garrett Griffin was injured. Mitchell was injured. Uh, was it Deese or Gibbs was injured? Deese was injured. Yep. So you only had a couple of guys. So while I know a lot of people like this move for Funches, in my opinion, I, I think they're bringing them in because they had so many tight ends that were injured. Yeah. And I think they were like, hey, we need, a, we need a tight end. We want a pass-catching tight end. What are our options? Oh, look, let's get creative with this guy who's you know a local hero, good story. He was a, a good mismatched tight end option. Like he could, you know, he could be – fits into that kind of Shane Zilstra category, right? And so, you know, he'll get a shot, but, you know, we haven't seen him. And I don't think, you know, it, we'll have to – it's going to take a, um, a a couple of practices before we really get a feel for can he make the transition or, or, or how impactful will he be. All right, we got to take a break. We went super long Thanks on two questions. <laughs> no problem, Dan. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be answering more of your questions here on the Spotify Live app. Join us every Saturday morning. Follow Pride of Detroit on Spotify Live. Come in and ask questions. We'll be right back. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Spotify Live here on the Pride of Detroit app or podcast feed, whatever you want to call it. My name is Jeremy Raisman. Let's get right back into what well, nailed it. I nailed I'm it. nailing it today. I'm <laughs> so thrown off by just the imbalance of the show this week. But uh, let, let's bring let's just bring Corey on here. Corey, how are we doing, buddy? Hey, can you hear me? OK. Yep. Hey, man, you guys are some gorgeous, gorgeous people. I love, I, I love everything you. you guys do and put Thank out there. And man, it's, it's just really cool. Um, Appreciate that. So, yeah, and following Dan is kind of intimidating, man. It's like, kind of, 
He's a Robin legend around these parts. Robin Williams in his coked up prime and uh, <laughs> trying to trying to do my thing, and nobody even knows my name. So, um, anyway, I, I do love I do love Dan, man. I enjoy listening to him. So I just hope he takes that in stride. Um, so a little backdrop on on me, you know, is I, I grew up. Um, this is a coaching question. I grew up with just a just a really great basketball coach as a father. And, uh, you know, our father-son trips every year were to coaching clinics. And we'd see all the great speaks, Krzyzewski, Patino, you know, Bobby Knight. I thought he was going to kick my ass. I was like nine <laughs> at that time. And uh, so that was my, my least favorite, even though I loved uh, old Hoosier, Hoosier basketball, uh, just because of what he put together. Now, my pops always put together less talented teams and went further. And that's what made him great. And Dan Campbell's got that. I've loved him from the beginning. I didn't, I wasn't turned off by the kneecaps thing like some media people were. And also when Patricia came in and people were raving about what he was going to bring, I didn't, I didn't get into that. He always came across to me as a caricature of himself. Uh, you never knew if he was his own man and had his own plan. You could just tell he was going to come in and try to, be Belichick, you know, and then when he alienated players like Slay, Quinn, um, Diggs, all those guys, you know, I mean, it all just came to fruition. I mean, what a what a what a douche. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, let's just be real about it. I mean, sure. This guy's horrible, and I hope he calls offensive play calls. So here is my here here for Patriots, and we kick their asses this year. <laughs> so, I mean, that that circled on my calendar, and I can't even touch my toes. So. Um, <laughs> And so my question is basically this. I would 99.9% of the time, I would never even bring this up as a possibility. But you don't let good talent walk. And if AG and Quinn, or I'm sorry, Campbell, um, stuck in that Patricia mindset, unfortunately, <laughs> um, and Campbell continue the symbiosis we've already seen. I mean, I think everybody like – can see that symbiosis, that that connectivity between their approaches to these teams. Why the hell wouldn't the Detroit Lions just hire hire AG and the egos don't seem to be an issue between these guys? Because that would be a huge hindrance for me recommending this in most teams. Hire AG as a co-head coach. <laughs> it doesn't affect the cap. And then and then <laughs> propel and promote people from within to DC. You know, either um, uh, Pleasant or um, uh, Shep or somebody, move these guys up, pay the man. And because in the long run, I know that there's this, this idea in a lot of coaches' minds of, you know, especially like, this is my thing. But in this situation, keep AG on because uh, he's going to be gone. I mean, if they have a yeah. decent year this year, he's going to be gone. So you don't let talent walk, pay the man, promote from within, have co-head coaches, because I tell you what, in the long run, if AG and Campbell, like, um, you know, propel the Lions into, you know, perennial playoff, uh, you know, playoff team um, and contenders, um, when their contracts expire, you know, either one of them can get a head coaching job anywhere they want, you know, because the lions are the lions. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. would be, that would be just beautiful. Well, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a, 
the best uh, resume you could ever have. I took the Lions to the fucking whoops, whoops, <laughs> You're good. Uh, to, the, to the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, I mean it's, it's it's an interesting idea, and and I I think if if you were to ask Sam Campbell his opinion of that idea, he'd say that's not fair to AG because he you think yeah I do because I I I think those two respect the hell out of each other. I know they respect the hell out of each other. That if if AG gets an opportunity, he's gonna want him to take it. And and I mean, you heard him talk about it this year and how. He selfishly wanted him to stay, but like he would have been over the moon for him to get the opportunity. And well, just well, a, co- a co-head coach just is—it's not the same thing, right? You're, well, my counter to that would be the fact that I understand that and, and agree with you, but that's also, um, you know, with the mindset that there isn't the opportunity for him to get paid as a head coach here, right? right? And so, why would you, you know, as Dan from Dan Campbell's perspective, it's like, yeah, I want him to go make. You know, that money have his own project. But, you know, I mean, if there was uh, the potential for something like that, um, because if there's ever been a team, you know, uh, throughout the years that's needed two badass coaches to put them (laughs) into the game, it is the Lions, man. You know, Uh, and AG, man, you just watch these guys. You know, I just love this. And it's so refreshing because we're coming from Patricia and whatnot. But I'm telling you. Uh, and previous regimes and stuff. But I'm telling you, even without that, you know, without Patricia being in our past and stuff, this is really great to watch. Yeah. You know, the way that the players talk about, you know, this, uh, you know, the culture and stuff. And and contrary to what some people think, I don't think they're turning down talent for culture fits. You know, I, I don't. I, I just think that they're they're finding, you know, great players that do fit their culture. And um and they're um i just love their fluidity sure you know and their approach i love their adaptability i i just it's it's really great to see and i think lions fans uh, uh have some really good things to look forward to from what i've seen in my life um seeing people that were underdogs win the big games you know as a kid up until you know until my dad retired you know, it's just like, you know, don't count these guys out. This is this is looking great. Yeah, I, I definitely think most people would agree that, that the right people are in the right places right now, which is why I think there's so much anxiety over losing Aaron Glenn. But I got I got two points I want to make and then I'll pass it over to Aaron to, to get for him to give his thoughts. Sorry to cut you off, man. Yeah, no, you're yeah. all right. Um, th- my first point is that we have to realize that there is not just one Aaron Glenn out there. There's not just one defensive coordinator out there that that's the only one that will fix this team. These He's, he's a rare breed, I will give you that, but you also have to give credit to, to Dan Campbell for what he's been able to find so far, right? Like, he, he's yeah. found some of these guys. We're, we're all kind of going crazy over Kelvin Shepard. He's a guy that's never been a head coach, and he recognized the talent still there. So I understand Absolutely. the anxiety of, of losing a guy like Aaron Glenn, but you, you have to realize that that's just how this works. Like, really talented coaches leave good organizations because well, they get promotions, and and they're they're just not going to accept a co-head sure, coach. Man. It's not the same thing. And I'm not anxious enough about losing Aaron Glenn to the point where I'm journaling about it yet. <laughs> but I, I would like to keep him around, you know. Sure. Yeah. All right, Eric. I'll, I'll pass it over to you, buddy. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah. 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 I think I think the big thing is going to be the fact that Glenn is going to want his own an opportunity to put his own footprint on, on the NFL. And, For sure. I, and I think he gets that 
if he's a head coach, not a, not a co-head coach. And so, you know, as, as, as much money as you want to throw at him, I still think he's going to look at the opportunity to pave a way uh, to, to be his own head coach and, and create his own, you know, build his own team. And uh, I think that opportunity is going to be more appealing to him as opposed to just sticking with Detroit, even if Detroit becomes like a, a winning organization. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, and then we also, I mean, we, we have to talk about the fact that there are a very, a, a far too few uh, African-American head coaches in the NFL as well. And if he gets the opportunity, I'm sure he will see that as a driving force to be another, uh, another sure. voice, another person in, in of, yeah. of color and power. I think that will also be motivating towards his decision to, to take a head coaching job. Um, so I, I, I just, agree I, with that. yeah, I, I, I just see him. Um, he just seems like he's, he's built for things bigger than what we can offer him um like he just he's going to the destined. super bowl though man you get bigger than that. <laughs> i yeah because then you can go to it as a as a head coach you know what i mean like if you go to it as a coordinator you can you know the next yeah. step is you go to it as a head coach and and so you know to, to do it yourself to take what you've learned and show that you can mold something from clay and and maybe he wants to do something a little different than dan campbell did or maybe he doesn't like dan campbell's approach to certain things or you know there's there's bound to be discrepancies right as symbiotic right. of a relationship as this is um you know, there's still, I'm sure there's still, you know, dis, uh, disputes over X, Y, or Z, right? So, um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I share your uh, your trepidation of losing him uh, because he is such a talented coach. Because <laughs> you don't want to see Dan without yeah. his pants on, man. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully, yeah. you know, hopefully I'm he'll take... Lord. Yeah, hopefully he'll lose his pants uh, with, with Glenn, but he'll gain shorts if someone else, you know, someone else, someone will become his shorts. As long as it's not gym shorts, man. <laughs> there you go. I, I do have one last thing I want to say that maybe will will ease this a little bit for some Lions fans is I don't think Aaron Glenn is the kind of person that is going to jump at the first opportunity. He seems no. like a guy who's going no, no. to be very thoughtful about where he eventually decides the, to go. The Saints um, would have been a good fit for him. Right. Yes, and I think he know. would have loved yeah. that job 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I mean, he, he said so many times over the last year how important it is for him to be the best defensive coordinator here in Detroit, how much this current job means right. to him. So he's not like if – I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of a really bad organization. Like if Houston Texans come calling or – I don't know. Cleveland's kind of a mess right now. Washington, like I'm not sure he jumps at those jobs if they're offered to him. Well, I think he's uh, going to be very selective. Keep keep in mind he did play for Houston for three years, so That's, he might okay. he, okay. he might Fair jump enough. at Houston. He might yeah. jump at the Jets. Yeah, and his roots are in Dallas, um, right? But 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 he, yeah, in Dallas, right? So here's yeah. the thing: the Jets have a relatively new head coach. The Texans have a new head coach. Dallas has a re- just re up their coach. Uh, new Orleans just hired a new like all the places he played. Yeah. Uh, even Jacksonville, that's the that, when he played there one year. They all have new coaches, right? <laughs> so even if he wanted to go to one of the teams he played for, then uh, he it may be a couple years before the, one of those spots frees up. Uh, yeah, well. yeah. Well, hey man, I I'll let you guys go. I know you got some other folks and stuff, but um, really appreciate all the content um, you guys put out, man. It's it's really cool. So uh, thanks, Corey. Uh, yeah, it's great, man. So, um, yeah, man, I'll let you go and uh, go lines, man. <laughs> Thanks, Corey. Appreciate the question, man. Good conversation All right. there. All right, brother. All right. Uh, Steven is next on the line. Steven, thanks for waiting. Hey, thanks, guys. How you doing? 
Good. How are y'all? Doing well. Doing well. Um, so I only had the intention of my funny question, but actually I just thought of a maybe a decent question after that. So I'll start with the funny one. Um, <laughs> I think we, we all need to pour out the Kool-Aid, just dump it down the drain, and let's get serious for a second. Who are you most like looking forward to hearing on the podium at the Super Bowl parade this year from the Lions? <laughs> Jamal Williams does not count. Who else? But pour the Kool-Aid out first. Oh, I, I love this question because when have we ever asked it to ourselves? Who would be the best person at the Detroit Lions Super Bowl parade? Anyone jump on to you, Eric? I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot I, here. I, man, I <laughs> I, I have a weird feeling that like Sewell might have might put back a couple and then show up and just start screaming. You know what I mean? Like he <laughs> is a character and uh, he is highly motivated to, uh, you know, share his opinion. Plus so, he, he just um, started legally drinking last year. So right. Right. Maybe he's I a think, lightweight. I think he could have a couple of uh, a couple of drinks and uh, show up and be extremely entertaining. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of feel the same about Amon Ra. Like, Amon Ra's got to be, like, super – like, one. does Amon Ra do anything less than 11 out of 10? Like, no. he's going he's gonna to have it turned up, man. <laughs> um, but I guess my, my more serious question that I just thought of, um, based on what Corey just asked you guys, what is something unconventional in terms of what the NFL typically does that you think the Lions could do? So, you know, the two head coach thing is – I think, you know, obviously never been done before, but what's something, I guess, maybe a little bit more realistic that the Lions you think you, they would consider doing to kind of switch things up and do something differently that's normally done? Hmm. That's a tricky one. I, so that could be coaching, could be personnel related. I mean, they, they kind of did something un, unconventional last year, even though we, we called it at Pride of Detroit with the, the no kickers on the original 53-man roster. John, um, which was the yeah, shout out to John Whitaker for, for predicting that to happen. Um, but just, I don't know, something unconventional that the Lions could or are doing maybe. I don't, I don't, nothing's jumping to mind here. Eric. This is a tough one. Wait, I want to, I want to make sure I understand the question. Is it, it's something that's unconventional the Lions could do, or it's something that the Lions aren't doing that other teams do? I guess I was just like letting you guys, giving you a chance maybe to be creative and be like, what's something crazy that they could do that's not typically seen in the NFL? Okay. All right. Um, something not typically seen. That's a good one. Um, Want to run out Tim Boyle and do some, some two quarterback sets? <laughs> I got uh, – I didn't say do something um, stupid, something unconventional. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if you can't think of anything, just dedicate a whole article, put my name at the top, and that's fine. But no, I, I appreciate it. It was just something that kind of popped I, up when Corey was talking. But I appreciate the answer to the first question. No, I, I, I honestly like. I, I think the one thing that like they might be able to pull off that like we've heard that they want to pull off for years is actually being a hybrid team <laughs> like like they may actually be able to adjust to teams in a way that they want to because of their some of the players like on defense right like they patricia talked about being hybrid and then he was just stagnant you know what right. i mean like on defense and like we hear this all the time i want you know in the nfl how they how they want these teams to be adjustable and then you just you don't see it I feel like we've seen it. We're, we've seen it a little bit in the spring. Um, uh, 
you know, we'll see if it carries over to the fall because sometimes that doesn't always happen. Um, but I think how they're cross-training guys like Malafanu and Will Harris and, and Aquara, I think they have a chance to actually like truly be a hybrid type team where they can use guys in different ways in order to adjust to, to, to you know, a power scheme one week and then a spread team the next. And, and, and it's, it's, it seems simple, but like it just doesn't happen as much as it gets talked about. You say Matt Patricia doesn't adjust and doesn't have versatile players and, and, and things like that, but what about the offensive line rotation? How about that? That was horrible. <laughs> that was one of the worst things he's ever done. Like that was you had a you had a all you had a, a, a stud in Graham Glasgow and you put him on the bench and it was the most lunatic thing I've ever seen. I don't get it. I hope he does it in New England. I hope he <laughs> rotates the entire offensive line. Like, I, I, my could, God. Could you see that potentially happening, though? No, because at, Belichick at, no, 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 no. an idiot. No, no. <laughs> at a different position here in Detroit, like, could there be something like a cornerback rotation because you have all these versatile guys? I mean, obviously, safeties kind of rotate naturally when you put an extra one on the on the field, but... Does any of that make sense maybe on the defensive side of the ball outside of, you know, defensive line that continually rotates? I, I think Melifanu is the guy that's going to be interesting because yeah. um, right now they're, they're, they're cross-training him. Everyone's thinking like, okay, he's going to play at safety. And okay, you know, but he's also getting some looks at, at, at corner. But when you listened to Pleasant talk this week, he talked mm-hmm. about the fact that uh, Melifanu is still getting his, his looks at, um, at corner, but because the safety typically matches up against the tight end, that's one of the catalysts that they did in order to transition him to safety so that he understand, he understood the safety looks. And then I think they're going to, he's going to be their matchup tight end guy. I think it's going to be a, um, we need, when they have a dynamic tight end that they're going to face off against, I think Melifanu is going to step on the field and be that shadow. Like they're going to, they're, they're showing him off the ball safety looks. They're, they're continuing to give him looks other spots. So I think that usage of that, that ability, they're, they're building guys to be able to match up specifically like that. I agree. All right, let's move on to our next caller. Uh, Nathan is on the line. Nathan, are you there? Hey guys, how you doing? Good, man. How are you? Good, good, good. Uh, first off, uh, tell Ryan congratulations. Will do, will do. Little cute kid in that picture. <laughs> it's a great baby. Yeah, now he's got to help you as a man cave now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so I got a couple of questions on the secondary because I think that's going to probably be one of the biggest questions going into training camp and pretty much throughout the whole season. Um. Who do you think is our starting nickel cornerback at the beginning of the season and why? And who, if you guys were talking about doing the 53 man roster, who's the start, who's the cornerbacks that are going to make the roster? Good questions. Uh, especially that first one, because I think, I think that job is much more up in the air than, than people seem to think. And I think mm-hmm. the Lions have three, three candidates who do three very different things. Well, with, with A.J. Parker, Hughes, uh, and uh, Chase Lucas. Chase Lucas. Um, I, I, guess, I mean, obviously, I think going out of minicamp and OTAs, I mean, I guess it's A.J. Parker in, is, is the leader in the clubhouse, but Mike Hughes was definitely getting some first-team looks too. So I, I don't know, Eric. 
who's who's your starter right now if, if you had to pick for for week one? Yeah, I I think it's it's Parker's job right now. Yeah. Um, but we did see Hughes get some reps ahead of him when they wanted to move Hughes into the slot. I do my kind of gut feeling with Hughes is that they want him to be more. Uh, inside outside flexible be able to use him where they want as opposed to being like a dedicated nickel like aj parker is and i think chase lucas is going to be a dedicated nickel as well um so like hughes you can start him situationally like uh if aj's parker's hurt or you know maybe you're you you're facing uh, a slot guy who's who he matches up better with right but i think from a starting who's going to be the starter it sure seems like it's aj parker's job right now um but chase chase lucas has been great and and like some of his intelligence is really above what you would expect from a rookie but then again he's like he's he's 26 right yeah so or no he's not really 26 but he's 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 old right like he's been doing this for he played in college for six years so like he has that experience he has that versatility but like he was very natural in the uh in the split zone scheme like uh right in front of us when they were in the last day of otas uh jeremy and i were sitting there and they would they ran a, a three bunches uh, they ran trips left uh, on on offense, and so Chase uh, comes up and he adjusts to the middle, and he's the one that's barking out orders. He's the one that's barking out the adjustment. And the way the split zone works is that you're essentially kind of man up on a guy if he's in your area, and even if you're standing across from one guy he may leave your area and another guy may move into your area. And so you have to be able to make that adjustment and you have to pass a guy off to somebody else. And, and he knew which adjustment to make. He knew how to call it. And then he uh, adjusted on the fly and had blanket coverage on his man. It was as impressive of a rep from a rookie corner that I've seen in a really long time. And, and so I, I am by no means putting Lucas, uh, on, on the outside right now. I think he's very much yeah. in the mix. So Parker's job for now, Lucas is going to challenge him. And then Hughes is going to have that veteran experience. I think where they may situationally want to use him, but look, if, if, if Akuda's not ready to come back in week one, if Jacobs isn't ready to come back in week one, they're going to need Mike Hughes on the outside. And so um, that's kind of the, the hierarchy is probably all three could make the roster at this point. Honestly. I think they also like Parker's tackling too, because that's yeah. one thing Parker really stood out, in my opinion, watching him is the guy can tackle. He and he wants to tackle. Right. He's, a natural, he's not afraid. Yeah, he's a natural slot guy. He he he's he's very sticky in the slot, which is uh, which is you know to his credit because you know as an undrafted guy, the, the everything was stacked against him, and he he. Uh, overcame that and earned a starting job. And the only way he didn't start last year was when he got injured or COVID. And so, you know, I think Parker deserves to be the incumbent starter and deserves to be at the top of the depth chart right now. Yeah. And that, that kind of speaks to that whole conversation speaks to kind of the conundrum that they're going to have in the secondary, because all three of those guys probably right now worthy of, of a, a roster spot because you've got the developmental guy in, in Chase Lucas who can also probably bring it on special teams. You've yeah. got the guy who's a proven starter in A.J. Parker. You've got a guy who brings versatility in Mike Hughes. So which one are you dropping? Because, I, I mean, listen, uh, spoiler alert, we're keeping all three in our 53-man roster, but we're also <laughs> keeping 12 DBs, and it, it feels very it's, excessive. Yeah. 
but it's, it's, it's one just, more than traditional. Right. It's 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 just really tricky to to kind of weed through these guys because they they each provide something that that's useful or or project yeah. to. And so, I know I, when we talked about this, Eric, before. I kind of felt like there's a chance that between Jerry Jacobs, I'm sorry, between uh, AJ Parker and Mike Hughes, the guy who loses that battle might be off the team. And, and you'd, you'd like to see them keep one of those guys around because I sure. just, I just don't think they're going to get rid of Chase Lucas with how good he's playing, how smart of a guy he is. And again, the special teams that he'll bring. Yeah. I, I, I do think it's kind of crazy to say, but I do think Hughes might be the most vulnerable of the bunch. Right. And, and he could also be the starter for the starter. Right. right. Exactly. He um, really wasn't mentioned in the, in the, in the, the questions like with Aubrey, I'm surprised nobody really asked him. So I kind of feel yeah. like he might be like a little bit, might be odd man out. You might be right. Um, I think a lot of it really hinges on Jerry. Um, Cause if Jerry is not ready to come back, then they're going to want, a guy like Hughes on the roster as insurance for that. Um, It it also depends. Are they going to keep Will Harris permanently on Mm -hmm. the outside? Because if if they're going to keep him on the outside, well, then he becomes, he might even jump. I mean, we're going to, we'll see where he fits in. That makes Hughes a little bit more vulnerable as well. If Melifanu is, you know, depending on how they want to use him as well. I mean, like, it, it really depends where the hybrid guys end up landing and where the injuries are. Uh, with with like Jacobs and Akuda, I guess a good problem to have because if, yeah, if sure. Mike Hughes is the guy that you're wondering is going to make the team, and you've got all these other guys ahead of him, I mean, the mm-hmm. line, everybody knows the Lions secondary is always, you know, it's it's bipolar. It's one day we look like we have strength in numbers, and the next day we look like we need to find people off the off the streets. So, you know, I guess we'll just have to see what happens. Exactly. Yeah. It, and it's, it's good to be having these questions, right? If we're having tough conversations about the roster, that means the roster is headed in the right direction. Mm-hmm. All right. Appreciate, appreciate Thanks, the question there, Nathan. Take care. You too, buddy. And with that, let's take our second break. Uh, when we come back, closing out our Spotify live session, answering your questions, and maybe just maybe have a special guest in this final segment. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Closing things up here on Spotify Live, answering your Detroit Lions questions all off-season long. Yes, there's nothing happening in the next six weeks, but we're going to be here every Saturday morning answering your questions here on the Spotify Live app. Make sure you follow at Pride of Detroit if you want to join in, or you can just listen here on the podcast as well. Uh, Let's get right back into our questions. We got Alex on the line. Alex, how you doing, man? Good. How are you? Good, good. How are you doing? (laughs) Good. No, first time time caller and uh, long-time lurker. So, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm from Green Bay, so uh, I oh. uh, get you know over inundated with uh, with uh, the green and, and gold Kool Aid. So it's I'm it's sorry, it goes into uh, <laughs> to the Honolulu blue. But uh, so I got a couple. I think I I think we've heard enough off season speak. So I'm gonna try to keep it somewhat um, more not towards the norm, but. Um, Going towards the go, actually going back towards the draft. I know we all saw the inside the den, and we all know that the Lions got exactly who they wanted to get, and no one else. But <laughs> what is one player that you think is a, you know, a a Lions player that was meant to be, 
that that got away? Um, this is a great question because um, Brad Holmes just recently joined a podcast. What, what's the name of the player? Gosh, I can't remember. Former Rams player that he helped draft. He joined his podcast. Was it Chris Long? It was Chris Long, yes. Okay. And, and one of the questions he asked, they were talking about the trade that they made, and Brad Holmes openly admitted, like, some of the guys that the Vikings got with those 32 and 34 picks were guys that they were targeting, were guys that they were talking about had they not been able to trade up. And I think one guy that a lot of us talked about and, and was really kind of on the Lions media hype train, I think Lewis Seen is, is yeah. a guy that, that absolutely would have been a great fit here and probably someone that they were thinking about grabbing with those 32 and 34 picks. Um, I know the other one went to Green Bay and they got, what, Christian Watson? Watson? Watkins? I got, as soon as the draft leaves, it, it completely Watson. leaves my brain. Watson. Um but yeah, I just I found that comment very interesting and very kind of telling and, and, and open of because you know Brad Holmes didn't come out and I think he was asked like was there anybody that that you know you wanted to draft that you didn't and he's not going to come out and say those sort of things but he did pretty much intimate that it I at least the way I interpreted it was that Lewisine was was a guy that they were very much considering. Okay. And anyone you think Eric that that maybe. I mean, I, I guess I didn't dive too much into the culture of some of these guys. Is, is there a guy that, like, in terms of that personality fit, which we know is, is so important to this regime, was there were a guy out there that, that maybe fit that, that the Lions didn't end up getting? I, I don't know, because, like, remember the guy that we talked about that ahead of the draft that we said, hey, mo- if you want a culture fit, the guy that they really are probably targeting is Josh Pascal. Right. right? Yeah. Like they're, like, and, and I'm like, there's no way they're going to take Josh Pascal <laughs> on day two after they take Hodge, you know, a, an address round and round one. And, uh, you know, silly me. But, um, yeah, Pascal was the guy who, who we were looking at going, wow, that guy just makes a ton of sense. Um, beyond that, though, um, it's hard to say. Like, I, I feel like they they probably had a tight end higher on their list than Mitchell mm-hmm. because if you remember uh, when Mitchell was drafted, they were talking about he was kind of like the last one left, and then there was like that drop off, right? Um, right? So they probably had other tight ends that were ahead of them. Um, I know a guy that they did like work on, like uh, was like Charlie Kohler, but like all a whole bunch of those guys, those tight ends that they might've been targeting. They all went in the fourth round. They didn't have a fourth round pick. So right. um, my guess is there was probably a tight end in there, kind of like a Charlie Kohler, um, maybe a Dolchik, right. Um, that they wanted, but they just weren't picking at the right spot to nab one of them. I think, I mean, you have to think maybe linebacker too, right? Because again, there's that yeah. big gap that in, in picks and they, they don't grab one until um, late sixth round. So, um, I can't. I don't know if there's a, a specific guy in mind. Troy Anderson, I think, is a guy that a lot of us talked about. You know, they brought in like Quay Walker and Nicobe Dean. Like, if they right. brought them in for top thirties, they were looking at those guys. Um, Brian Asamoa, right? But you know, um, Asamoa went in the third round um, before the uh, before the Kirby Joseph pick, right? Yeah. So like, he wasn't he wasn't there at that spot. Um, so like, after they got Pascal you know, they would have had to have traded up to get Asamo. And I don't think he was the type of guy that they would have, you know, gone up for, but I know he probably fit what they were looking for. Um, yeah. And if they had kept their picks, it's possible that like a Quay Walker was a guy who was, uh, you know, on their radar for, you know, pick 31 or 32, 
but you know he wouldn't have made it there anyway so true all right and then i have one last question going back to the theme of what could have been um looking back at all the former lions cast offs from the patricia era and even going back to you know the stafford trade um what player what former lions player do you think would have had the most um fun with the new coaching staff (laughs) you want to say it at the same time like if i i have a feeling we might be picking the same guy maybe all right my guy's still playing so is my guy still playing yeah in the (laughs) nfc yeah we'll play some in week one yeah yeah it's gotta be Darius, right like yeah um yeah i mean I, I feel like Graham would also probably be pretty happy here, especially oh, with, with how unhappy he was with how things left. I mean, I mean I'm Quandre, sure. Quandre too, of course. Oh, right. Yeah. But like, yeah, Slay that's, certainly seems like he would be in heaven. That And that's the thing that I think is so fun for Lions fans. And maybe why Lions fans are so feeling it right now is it's, it's an infusion of uh, personalities again. Right. Not, not to say that none of the guys they had in the previous regime, didn't have personalities like golden Tate was a, a, a guy who was around for a while and, and given pl- plenty of personality, but they're, they're just, they're allowed to lean into it. Now they're allowed to be themselves now. And so, yeah, I, I mean, there, just pick a guy who you Tracy like Walker. being himself, Tracy, Tracy Walker. Walker. <laughs> but in, in terms of the guys that, that, that were here, yeah. Like, Oh yeah. Oh, so of the guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like Slay. Slay. I, I mean, Slay posted a video this week of him correcting every reporter who called him Darius. Cause he doesn't like to be called Darius. Like that sort of silly stuff that we're getting now from other players. Darius would be doing it. Um, I mean, Quandry was, was awesome in front of the mic. Um, he could be si- serious and silly. Um, Clover Quinn. Jeez. Like he was one guy. of the best interviewers. Yeah, like interviewees I've ever seen. I think I've mentioned it on on one of the podcasts before, but we would get, we get forty five minutes in the locker room. Um, Quandre, de, I'm sorry, um, Glover Quinn worked out a deal where he's only going to do it once a week, but he will sit there for all forty five minutes. And some days when I didn't have anything to do, I wasn't chasing a story. I would just sit there and listen for forty five minutes because he was awesome to listen to. He never shied away from things either after no. the hard loss. Um, a lot of times he would protect um, the other younger corners uh, from having to be out there for the media. So like when guys, when a lot of times after a loss, you'll see guys duck out, he would step up and command attention so that the other guys wouldn't have Mm -hmm. to deal with it. And, And he was as true of a veteran leader as I've ever seen. But uh, not not a fit under Matt Patricia for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, appreciate the question, Alex. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Um, our next question actually comes from our chat, and it's related to what we were just talking about. Uh, Karen asks, "Wonder when locker room interviews will return?" And it's my understanding, Eric, this year, right? Yep. Yep. I think they. Uh, I think uh, the NFL announced that, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, actually, it was during the the owners' meetings. Uh, one yeah. of the uh, the league spokesperson um, let us know that, and and I think it'll still be on you know individual teams to to make sure everything is COVID safe or you know if there's mm-hmm. anything that, that that comes up, um, things things could change obviously, um, and and teams will will have their own discretion obviously with, with state rules and things like that. But all signs are pointing to uh, locker rooms being back, which is good news for Lions fans because. 
it, it's, it really changes the dynamic of our coverage quite a bit because getting, I mean, you can speak to this, Eric, like the difference between getting a player in a locker room versus in front of a podium and, and 20 people shoving their mics in front of them is, is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we haven't, been, we haven't been able to for the last two years. Right. right? And so like, you know, I feel like we've lost that opportunity to build uh, some of the relationships that we were able to previously. Right. Sure. Like um, you guys give me, you guys give me a hard time about the fact that um, I had cultivated relationships with a you know a handful of guys and there's only one of them left now. Right? Hand, a handful <laughs> of guys. Uh, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Yeah, so and that that's the the other difference too. It's it's not you're only getting them in a more comfortable, loose environment, but you are building those relationships so that yeah you you can dig deeper later in the year. It's not it's not those locker room sessions aren't necessarily for getting the quote right in, then and there. It's for yeah. being a familiar face, getting some sort of trustworthiness between the two, and then yeah, eventually working that for some sort of story and yeah, it, yeah. like like for example, I was talking to Deshaun Hand. Uh, couple years back and Romeo who had his locker right next to him jumped into our conversation and then we started talking about Julian when he was still at Notre Dame you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and like and and I said well you know he's just a junior is he going to uh I said he's just a redshirt junior is he gonna jump to the NFL and Romeo said one of the best lines I've ever he said uh, Aquaras don't redshirt. He's a senior, and like I thought that was the funniest thing. <laughs> like, he was like, "Yeah, he's 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 declaring." Like so, like I knew Julian was declaring before Julian declared. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> uh, just that's the type of like stuff that you like come across when like you start you get a, re- a more relaxed player. Uh, the information is a little easier, but yeah, I was. I mean, I still remember him. Just all in, you know, you get very Aquaras don't redshirt. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I like it. Um, all right. Uh, we only have one caller left. Eric, you ready for this? I am. Someone named Ryan Matthews is on the line. Hey, Daddy. <laughs> that was weird. Don't ever do no, that again. <laughs> no, I wasn't talking to you. No, but you just said, hey, Daddy. That, hey. That's... that's that's new weird. daddy, new daddy. Hi guys. <laughs> How's it going, bud? <laughs> oh man, it's uh, uh, to borrow uh, to borrow maybe Tom Hanks's role. It is sleepless in Grand. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel your pain, buddy. Yeah, I know. No, I know what I, you're going through. I know you do. I have so many things to say, but uh, I feel like so little time because uh, you guys did a bang up job of keeping this nice and concise. <laughs> Oh yeah, and, uh, super tight. Straight to the point. <laughs> what do we get? Like five people calling in? <laughs> I think I think I think I learned everything about everybody's role in the front office. Um, which you know what? You're not getting that anywhere else. So you know exactly. what? It's, it's good to be different. <laughs> um, man. Okay. So just a couple of things I I, I want to uh, address because I, I've been I've been kind of like half listening, half like making breakfast, making bottles, doing everything. Um, but uh, there was somebody in the chat um, who mentioned, um, you know, ha- has the child been okay? Brandon, uh, Brandon Kuntz, 
He says, uh, Ryan must be multitasking listening to Spotify and the baby monitor simultaneously. Did he go through the Schlitt baby training camp? <laughs> um, which I, I have to give a big shout out to Eric because on the side in Slack, he, I mean, he's been, he's been coaching up this daddy for, uh, for a couple of weeks <laughs> now. So um, he's, uh, he's been giving me all the, all the tips and tricks and, and things I should be on the lookout for. So, but, uh, you know, just a, a thank you to everybody, really, just because, I mean, the outpouring of support and everything and, and all the nice comments and, and things that people have said on Twitter and all over the place, I really appreciate. So um, that, that's been awesome. But uh, yeah, what a great, what a great Father's Day gift, huh? I don't I think it's any better yeah. than this. Yeah. What, yeah. what, what are you going to do? Do you get the day off tomorrow from baby duties? <laughs> no. No, no, I don't think that's how it works. Oh, <laughs> I think next you get all. I, I think you get all the duties. <laughs> Literally, du- duties. <laughs> um, I do I have to ask a question? I don't know how this works. Um, <laughs> yeah, I tell you, I tell you, yeah, uh, you got a great baby there, man. I like all those pictures you've been sending our way. Uh, Thank you. He looks very content and very happy, little baby, and uh, I think that's great. We're real happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I will, I hate to tease it, but I have some awesome stories to tell you guys in Slack about our uh, awesome surgeon who is just, he was, he was a wild card, man. He was, (laughs) I I, I go, I go into the, I go into the uh, delivery room, right? And as I'm walking in, I hear TLC's waterfalls playing. (laughs) Okay. And I'm just like, I don't know if this is standard operating procedure, but I'm just going to roll with it. Uh-huh. And I get back there and Amanda's like, yeah, as soon as we got in here, he was like, all right, what are we putting on? What's going on the playlist? <laughs> That's <laughs> Amanda, kind of awesome. Yeah. And Amanda was completely caught off guard because she was like, oh, uh, I anything but country. And he's like, oh, man, I had a great country playlist, but I guess we'll do <laughs> 90s pop. And hey, uh, T- Teddy, that's a good Teddy, surgeon, I can already tell. I know T- Teddy was born to uh, mo money, mo problems, which is uh, <laughs> nice. very nice. fitting for the world that we live in today. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't. What a great podcast! You guys are really good at this. I'm know? sorry. Do you do you have a lion's question? <laughs> <laughs> I've been I'm trying to. Hey, do you have ahead. a lion's onesie for Teddy? I do not. We gotta get you one of those. Man. I do not. I think I, I think I need to get one of those. I think I need to actually get a. I need to get a custom one that says, um, uh, "I survived Schlitt baby training camp, and all I got was this onesie." <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and are you are you calling him? It sounds like the latest news here is is you're you're regularly calling him Teddy. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm just all over the place with him. I'm calling him Bubba a lot too. I don't know. I do that with my dog too, though. I, I call my dog Bubba too. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's just being a, it's being a, a dad, human. being sure. a dog father, being a, being a baby father to a human. I don't know, but it is, it is, a, it's a great term of endearment. Yeah. He kind of looks find... like a Bubba too. <laughs> you'll find, uh, you'll find a lot of nicknames. You know what I mean? Like. And you and nicknames that you won't even like like you'll end up a year from now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Oh yeah. You know, that'll be that'll be the one that sticks or something like it's fun. Like it, you know don't you don't have to settle on anything right now. I just enjoy your enjoy your moments of uh, of of peace. 
because <laughs> that few and far in between, week. man. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, we did so we mom, did get to watch the NBA Finals though, and we, and we did get to watch the first game of the Stanley Cup together. So that was there. Cool. You go, nice. nice. Yeah, mom is mom is awesome. Uh, mom is mom's doing everything. She's a rock star right now. I literally like as soon as Jeremy was like, "Oh, we have a familiar," and I was like, "Hey, can I like go outside for five minutes?" She's like, "Yeah, you're fine." <laughs> um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I, again, I just want to say thank you to, to all of you guys and um, all the people who are listening and all the people who have, you know, shown support. It's it's awesome. I, uh, it's just such a great community to be a part of. Yeah, well, you helped cultivate it, man, honestly. Um, so I appreciate I appreciate you jumping in and making, making some time just to say hi and, and, and to say thanks. And, um, you know, you didn't ask the Lions question, but that's okay. Um and yeah, no, <laughs> I, got, I got nothing else. Uh, Dude, I'm I'm trying to think of something really witty and and funny to ask you, but today nope. I tried to make nope. scramble eggs and I I I put all the eggs in the bowl. I forgot to scramble them before I put them in the pan. I, like, I am so tired. Dude. Omelet. You got an omelet, buddy. Yeah. Dude. New breakfast today. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Change of plans. Uh, all right. Uh, and and by the way, Eric, you need to you need to take the uh, the calling twice role. By the way, that, that's not my thing. That's. Oh that's, no, that's your thing, buddy. That is that is a that's a staple for you. Okay. All right. Fair enough. You know what? <laughs> I'm just going to defer to Dan. Again, whatever Dan wants, Dan gets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you to, to everyone who was listening. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions. Thank you to Ryan for stopping by. And as always, thank you to Eric for helping me carry this thing. Uh, we'll be back next week answering more of your questions. Uh, make sure you download the Spotify Live app if you want to join us. But until next time, for Eric, for Ryan, for TJ, thanks for listening. It's chaos. Be kind.